Welcome to the next installment of Let's Talk About It by the Color of Us. Today I'm here with Elijah Jenkins, an inspiring voice, activist, and student at the University of Chicago, who I'm incredibly excited to talk to today. Hi Elijah, it's so great to have you here. Hi Sonia, thank you for having me here too. I'm very excited to discuss this podcast with you this afternoon. To begin, could you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and some of the activist work you've been involved in in the past? Yes, um, I'm Elijah Jenkins. I'm a first year at the University of Chicago, but I'm a recent graduate from Brophy College Preparatory. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. During my time there in Arizona, I became a youth advisor for District 4 City Council, um, working on programs to help the African-American community. And I established a nonprofit with some other graduates at ASU called African-American Reconstruction, where we tackled systemic injustices happening back in Arizona. Um, now, currently, I serve as the first year representative of U Chicago student government and sit on the board of academic affairs and marginalized student affairs and looking forward to make more change in the Chicago community. That's so inspiring and really such important work that you're doing. Since this podcast is meant to inspire the multiracial community, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how your background inspired you in your activist work. Yeah, so um, as based on my extracurriculars, I'm African-American, but I'm also Pacific Islander, specifically regarding the indigenous people of Guam, um, which we call them our Chamorros. So I identify myself as a Chamorro and a Black individual in the United States of America. Um, just due to the situations of in Arizona, there was never any community of Chamorros um, in the location. So I, I naturally just gravitated towards um, fighting injustices for African-Americans because um, it's still one of a community I'm very much involved in. Um, now, currently in Chicago, I've been experiencing this new um, melting pot of different cultures that Arizona did not have. And I've been able to interact with those who have this specific Islander background similar to me. And it's been a different experience of being able to learn about different issues that my other community in Chicago is currently facing. That's really interesting. Uh, I know, like you said, there's not as many opportunities to connect with both facets of your heritage in Arizona, and that's definitely something I've experienced as well. Um, I know something that you wanted to talk about was how multiracial individuals are often labeled by how they present phenotypically, and I was wondering how that impacted you in your advocacy journey as well as growing up here. Yeah, so physically, I look like an African-American male, um, so I easily, it was very easy for me to identify as a Black student, a Black man in Arizona, and at times, people would not recognize my Pacific Islander heritage. Um, I often have to find myself having to assert to others, like, I am Pacific Islander, here's the things that I also do besides just looking like an African-American, and so in guiding my life, um, people never saw me as something different than just being a Black person. And growing up, I felt at times I just kind of fell in that caveat and just um, naturally just assumed that everyone else just saw me as Black. And it was just a lot easier to not tell anyone else that I was Pacific Islander unless it was um, just came out of conversations. And so um, in college now, um, I've been having opportunities to connect more with um, Pacific Islanders on campus. And even here, people just get surprised when I mentioned on oh, Pacific Islander. And I have to basically assert my culture over my physical appearance. And that is something I'm continuing to work on now. I know for myself, as well as many of the listeners to this podcast, they struggle with matching their culture to what they present as phenotypically and often being rejected by that side of their culture based on how they look. Um, I was kind of wondering, 
going to college and connecting with that other element of your culture, was it easy to embrace it or did you struggle trying to make friends within that community? Um, I feel like it's kind of different um, specifically for me as a Chamorro, just because there's not that many of us in the United States. Currently, there's only a 140,000. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, this is a very, very small number. But culturally, we are very similar to Filipinos. And so um, I naturally just joined the Filipino Student Association on my school's campus. And the Filipino students at first were kind of, um, they didn't really understand what it means to be Pacific Islander. They didn't underst understand who Chamorro were. Um, they didn't really know what Guam was. But once I started talking about the cultural dishes I grew up in my family eating for holidays, um, they were able to recognize and like, oh, wow, we did the same thing. And so just having that cultural similarity that tied us together allowed me to find a community within the Filipino students on campus. Um, I wish there was a stronger Pacific Islander community on campus, um, but unfortunately there isn't. But still just having this close proximity to this community who has similar culture had just been a blessing to experience throughout um, my first quarter and a half. That's really wonderful. I think I can definitely relate to some of what you're saying with connecting based on culture. For me pers personally, I identify as half Indian American and a lot of my friends are Asian American and identify that way. And although we have different backgrounds in terms of where our families come from, there's a lot of cultural similarities that we can connect with based on food traditions and holidays. So that's something really wonderful. Yeah. This kind of goes back to what you mentioned with student unions and joining the Filipino American Student Union at UChicago. But I was wondering what you thought about the importance of student unions in school life and campus bodies. Yeah, so that's actually, that's a big question. Um, a lot of people tend to think that student unions are a decisive manner that causes um, student body to differentiate from each other. And it's not helpful. Um, in my experience, going to predominantly white institutions in high school and college, you find that um, often you forget about your culture. It's so easy to just go blend in with the homogeneous society that you inevitably just forget who you are as a person. And when you have these student organization, it gives you um, the opportunity to see your people in a room together and see like, wow, there's actually community here and just tap into this culture you left from home and still feel a sense of connection. And I feel like student associations are very vital and especially in institutions where you are the minority. Um, it's important for marginalized students to have a space and just be themselves unapologetically and not having to inform others about themselves. Um, I feel like that's the biggest thing as being a ambiguous person, um, phenotypically or culturally, you often have to explain. And that's what most of my life has been doing is explaining others and my identity. Um, but when I'm in a space where I don't have to explain anymore, it's, it's a gift to have. And that's why it's really important for student bodies to have them. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. I think that was a big deciding factor in why I chose to start The Color of Us, because like you said, the predominantly white institutions that um, I guess we both grew up in in Arizona didn't really offer that much space for me to share or other people of multiracial background to share kind of the nuances of our culture and heritage. And that's something I really wanted to share with everyone else, as well as give a space for other multiracial, multicultural youth to have that platform to express themselves. It's amazing. Keep it up. Thank you. Kind of going back to 
talking about student unions. Um, I'm not entirely sure if this is something that you want to talk about, but it kind of brought up in my mind the topic of inclusive education in schools that honors cultural background and diversity. I guess kind of based on your experience, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind, which might be a little bit off topic, is what's going on in Florida now currently. And from someone with a multicultural and multi-ethnic background, such as yourself, as well as myself, I was wondering kind of what your thoughts are on having that platform for diversity in education. Yeah, I think it's really important to have diverse curriculums because often it's really easy for younger generations like myself, including to just go along with the mainstream idea of who people are. And when we attach ourselves to this image of who people are, it often distracts ourselves of learning about these individuals, like specifically, um, personally, the amount of people in the United States who have no idea where Guam is and that it's a territory territory and that there's people who lived there before the United States came is insane. I was in an anthropology class um, my last quarter here. Um, we were just talk, discussing about race and we were looking at the U.S. Census and my own professor was reading it and under the racial categories, it said Chamorro and Guamanian. And he said, what is that? And it was, I just caught us so off guard that this professor who is a scholar in his field couldn't differentiate the difference between someone who is Guamanian, which is any resident who lived in Guam versus Chamorro, um, the indigenous people of Guam. And stuff like that just shows the lacking of diversity in our curriculum, the lack of our institutional schools of trying to basically just space out opportunities to inform students of I wouldn't even say niche, but just important things of other communities, except the one we live in. And in order for us to become a society where we can truly understand each other, it's important that we understand our history because history inevitably repeats itself. And if we as a community don't understand where we come from, where our coworkers come from, then we can never find common grounding. Wow, that's crazy that a professor at anthropology wouldn't know. Wow, that really shows that even in higher education, this basic lack of awareness and discussion about race and diversity really has kind of a trickle down effect throughout the system. It does. It does. If you're like, if I would have never said anything in my class, everyone would have just gone along with that they were the same thing. And that's very scary, especially because these people are trying to become scholars in whatever field they want to go into. And they have these same intentions of doing good, but if they're not informed, then how can they really do good? Definitely. I'm, we might have touched on it already, but the idea of that people who are multiracial having to constantly assert their cultural ties over their own physical ties and um, how frustrating that experience really is. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, I have a lot of personal examples from that from when I'm a child. Um, and I've kind of learned different ways to manage it and navigate it. What are some of the things that you try to do to assert your culture and get people to respect that? Yeah, um, I think like little things like putting my flag in my Instagram bio. So when someone says sees it, they're like, what is that? And then they ask, um, wearing um, clothes or um, memorabilia that represents Guam. Um, that's just something I do a lot. And it causes people to question like, why are you wearing that? But um, I honestly come to a point where I would rather have people ask about um, where Guam is and don't. Um, I feel like at times it can be frustrating to constantly inform others of my culture. But if I don't um, 
represent my culture in a way, then yeah, I'm confining into society norms of not recognizing it at all. So it's like a mixed balance of having to constantly assert who I am and be proud of it and understand that by doing so, people are going to ask questions. And I'm not for sure if I'm okay with it, but I know as of right now, that's the only way of doing so. And until things are changed and through our curriculums are changed, um, it's something I'm going to have to continue to do for the rest of my life. That's a really unique and helpful perspective, I think. Um, kind of going back to the Instagram bio, I do the same thing where I have my Tamil name written out and I do want people to ask those questions. I think that sometimes it can be a little frustrating too, because like you said, with the gaps in our education and people not really knowing how to talk about diversity, there can be questions sometimes that people don't realize has negative undertones, but can come off that way. So for instance, I get the question all the time, like, where are you from? Or like, what are you? And oh, genuinely, I don't think those questions are aimed at being harmful, but the connotation to them and the lack of understanding kind of comes with this universal experience for all multiracial people that it's a devaluation of our identity in a way. Yeah, I think there's a way of restructuring those questions um, in a way that's not like, dismisses but still recognize who you are outside of this simplic ideology of like where are you from like Elijah I see you have this flag in your Instagram bio what does it mean to you like asking someone like what does your Tom Mill name and in your Instagram bio mean to you is a lot different than asking what does it mean or where are you from mm -hmm. and I think like once we get to the point of understanding who the person is contextually and asking the questions that are unique to themselves that's unique to the person that's where we can separate what is harmful and what is good. And that's something that we need to start doing more in the future. Definitely agree. So kind of redirecting those questions by displaying your own identity confidently. Yeah, and just redirecting those questions and um, approaching a situation where it's still, it comes from a curiosity, of course, but still recognizing the person you're asking that this is your own unique experience. So asking them about a question to be unique for them. That's really, really insightful. And I think it's a great way to kind of navigate those questions and the dismissal of identity that often unfortunately comes with being multiracial. I guess for listeners of the platforms, if there's any advice or comments that you can share with the next generation of multiracial and multicultural youth to become more confident in themselves. Yeah. I would say learn your history. Knowing where you're from, knowing how much your people have accomplished through colonization, neocolonialism, whatever it may be, and knowing that you are here today, that means something. Um, I personally got my life understanding that my ancestors sacrificed so much for I for myself to be here in, in the shoes I am today. And just having that perspective gives me a sense of confidence in my ability to do so. So if you know that the people, your ancestors, your own bloodline was able to accomplish many amazing things. They were able to survive wars, um, genocide. It changes your perspective on life. Anything you approach in your own life just seems trivial. And I think people just need to have that understanding of their own history. And by doing so, you can empower yourself. So that would be my advice. Know your history. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that advice. And I think it will really resonate with our listeners. Thank you, Sonia. I really appreciate taking this time with you.